identity. What is our identity? Last week, we looked at the identity of those walking in their lives apart from Jesus. And today, uh, we see the difference in the followers of Jesus. We're going to look at uh, four specific marks of Jesus' followers. And and I realize this picture that I'm going to show you here, uh, I realize you're not going to see every uh, every detail of this. And for some of you, your eyes are going to hurt. And so I don't want to give you a headache for very long uh, trying to look at this. But on the right hand uh, is a picture and it is different a little bit from the left hand. You probably have seen these before where, hey, can you tell the differences? And before I took my screenshot of this uh, in preparation for this, I had gotten a couple of them. You press on the screen and it shows you. So the check marks there on the right are the ones that I found. And there's probably a lot more uh, there. But uh, here's one I, I want you to notice. Here's a, a real subtle difference. Uh, there's some decoration on the left that is absent on the right. Can anybody see that from where you are? All right, I was curious, like, are people going to be able to see this? And if you didn't raise your hand, don't worry about it. Uh, don't schedule the eye doctor uh, Monday morning on account of my sermon today. All right, don't do that. Um, but a lot of times you see these challenges, and I'm always one, if I have a few minutes, I want to try to figure out what are the differences? What are they trying to get me? And I want to see if I can beat them at their game. <laughs> I don't think that when it comes to following Jesus that it should be that difficult. I don't think that we should be so much like the rest of the world, that people have a hard time trying to figure out, are there a few differences in this person who claims to follow Jesus, or are they really just kind of like the rest of the world? And I have a hard time finding that. Our, the, diff- the way that we are in walking in Christ, it should change us, it should, should work in us, and we should be becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world, and the difference in us as Christ followers should really stand out and not be that kind of a a so similar of a side-by-side. Does that help? That's where we're going this morning. That's why we did the contrast last week is so we can see and and really the rest of four, five, and six are going to bring to light areas where we may stumble. And and so we want to see what 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 are we building on? Where are we going on? What kind of a difference do we have? All right, four marks. I was waiting for the first one for a while. I'll quit talking and here we go. Strong beliefs regarding the truth of Jesus. Strong beliefs. It's one thing that marks Jesus' followers. So Paul says this very clearly. Okay, that being 17, 18, and 19, that's not the way you learn Christ. The way to follow Christ is not by being darkened, alienated from God, and hard in our hearts, callous, right, sensuality, all those things that he identifies. That's not it. We have different ways in which we've come to Christ, we understand him. That's not it. Uh, verse 21, assuming you've heard about him and we're taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Truth. Not an option. Not a hey, maybe that'll be a little bit better. I'll try that for a while and see if it works. Truth, as in, if Jesus is true, then other ways of viewing the world and viewing life are false. They have strong beliefs about Jesus and who he is. The rest of this entire letter flows from this idea. The beginning of the whole letter flows from this idea. 
that we believe that Jesus is true. And because we believe he's true, he makes an incredible impact in our lives and in our futures. We have strong beliefs about who he is. It it doesn't take much more than maybe a first grade level of reading to understand this is what Paul is saying in these verses. And let that key word true stand out to us. Who he is, his death for us, his burial in a tomb, his resurrection, his life, the miracles, his teaching, the opposition, all of it, truth. If we, if we attach ourselves, our view, our hopes, our dreams, everything to Jesus, our hope of eternal life, our hope of forgiveness, our hope of relating to God, all of it to Jesus, we will not be let down. We will find truth. Real followers of Jesus have strong beliefs because we believe he is true. He is not just an option. Second, Jesus' followers have an understanding of the old life. We're going to be in a lot of scripture today. I want want to bring some scripture to bear on this. This is a a big theme. It's not just something we covered for a few verses last last week. What Paul is doing is he is bringing to life a, a, a theme that is all over the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the stories about Jesus, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and even throughout uh, some of the letters, we see this concept encouraged. Question, when was the last time you shared with another believer that you were frustrated by a sinful pattern in your life? I have this going on and I can't seem to break it. I need God's help. Would you pray with me? When was the last time maybe something that happened? See, because when that happens... We acknowledge that we don't want anything to do with that anymore. That's supposed to be in my old nature. I want to overcome that. I don't want to be that way. And where that comes from is the old life, is this language that we see Paul using, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desire. So the desires that we have before we meet Jesus, they're not trustworthy. They're not under the light of truth. And that's an understanding of our old life. We don't want to be that way. We want something different. That's another thing if our environment never confronts those areas. But if we really believe that Christ is true, we want to be changed. First scripture we'll look at here is 2 Kings 23. Uh, one through three, one of my favorite kings in, in all of the stories of the kings, as they're laid out in the Old, Old Testament, is King uh, Josiah. Uh, this says the king sent all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him, and the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets, all the people, small and great, and he, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. They didn't even have the law. They didn't have, at that point, what they believed to be the Bible. They weren't living by it. It wasn't a part of the king's day-to-day life. And Josiah becomes king at a very young age. And he decides, I want to know what is in this. Uh, hey, go repair the temple. When they're repairing the temple, they bring in the Bible. And he, they want to read, read from it. He wants to know what it says. And he finds out in there 
um, that there's all kind of things they're not doing. And what does he do? He makes a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments. That's what Josiah does. He's recognizing there's an old way. We're not doing it the way we're supposed to be doing it. Doing it the way God commanded it, the way God spoke it. We're not following that. There's an old way. There's got to be a desire for something better around here. And that was what marked his leadership. Mark 10. Jesus. I encourage you just to, to spend time each week. You get into the Gospels at some point. You want to stay close to the stories of Jesus. So here's this guy who, who comes up to Jesus, and he's rich, and he's trying to find his way to heaven. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. He knows the life he is in, and he's not ready to do what Jesus asked him to do. He's, he's in the old way. He wants to be assured that he can get into heaven. He wants to be assured that he can have eternal life. But Jesus says, this is in your way. And he knows that old way. He had great possessions. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Challenging word to us. Again, even a first grader can tell you that Jesus would, is calling this guy to something very difficult. Jesus doesn't call us to gray areas. Last week we talked about sexuality. It's not really gray in the Bible. We're going to continue to look at sexual issues as they come up at the end of 4 and throughout chapter 5 as well. We're not called to gray areas. You have to see it as old nature and new nature. Maybe you're like me and this made you think of Paul in Romans 7. These verses, it, it seems like Paul's schizophrenic or something. He's so, um, so on extremes or he's multiple personality or something. And he's not. He's being honest about the nature that we have. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil is close at hand for a delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see my mem in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. This tension, he's describing this old nature, wretched man that I am, wretched person that I am. Maybe you feel that old nature right now. Even if you've been a believer for a long time, it doesn't mean that our sin nature just goes away. I wish it worked that way. I wish when I committed to Christ that I didn't struggle with sin anymore. It'd be a lot easier. But Paul's being very realistic and he's showing us that if we become a believer in Jesus Christ, we're still going to have that old nature as a part of us. Now, it's not that there's no hope. I'm getting to the hopeful part, I promise. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. But we have to get anchored here. We have to understand this old life and the fight that we enter when we trust in Christ. As we move forward, we want to see that this is true. And we want to commit to fight the old self. It's all about the word repent. Raising your hand and saying, I want to trust Jesus. I want to go to heaven. I want to be forgiven is amazing. But if you're doing that just to make yourself feel better, or you're doing that just because you think it's the easiest way to heaven... 
we have to repent. The gospel calls us to repentance, which means all of my ways, all of my sins, all of my thinking, I put it under who Jesus is because he's true. We have to understand that old life. All right, enough on the old life. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, verse 20 through, our minds in Christ are going to be renewed. Believers have strong beliefs regarding the truth of Jesus. They have an understanding of the old life, but we experience powerful newness. If you feel that conflict today with the old person, I want you to feel the strength of the new one. You might, as you think of that old person, you might, you might feel like trash. You might get daily reminders from Satan about how guilty you are, how filthy you've been, or how that thing that hurt people that you did. I understand that. I've been a believer for 30 years this spring, and it still happens to me. Real talk. Those thoughts Satan wants to accuse, he'll accuse us the rest of our lives. He's not going to stop trying to convince us that we don't deserve what God has done. But there is. There is newness. It's power. And it's contrast for the believer. It's not just a couple of little pictures side by side trying to pick apart the differences. It's a big difference that God brings about. Here's a way that Paul described it to the Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say that out loud with me. New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is reconciling us to himself where, where we feel so far away because of our sin and our junk. God brings us close because of Christ. And look down at the bottom. This isn't underlined and bolded in, in, in translations. I just did that for your help. Therefore, we're ambassadors, right? Here's another way that Satan attacks. He's like, oh, you're so old. Your old person is so awful. You can never be used as a new person. No, Jesus clearly is teaching in the word of God here uh, through Paul that he wants to use us. If we're in Christ, we're a new creation, and we get to be ambassadors. We get to go out and say, you know what? I'm not perfect either, and I want you to experience the love of God, and I know you're not perfect Come on and commit to Christ, and let's, let's move forward in our lives together. Now, this is going to seem really trivial. Stay with me. I love cereal. I don't, make, I don't make that secret. And I encourage you, if you're ever bored and you just want to see human ingenuity at its finest, you just go down to cereal aisle in Walmart. Because sometimes they have creations that you've never thought about. I found it. This is real. They have oatmeal cream pie cereal at Walmart. Did you know that? Who knew this? Why didn't you tell me? You're raising your hand. I didn't know this. I found this out. Nobody told me there's oatmeal cream pie cereal. I feel let down. I thought we were friends. <laughs> All right, now, this is, I told you this is a little trivial. All right, now, true or false, I bought this. Oh, true. Oh, true. $3.60 for a family size box. You take out the family and you just put Kevin. Kevin size. I do think my family has shared in this. I got maybe one bowl left. And it's pretty good. 
what did I say, eight and a half, out of ten, nine, eight and a half, this is good. And that's new, and that was exciting to me. But think about it. Okay, we're going to get serious now for a minute. Think about it. How did I get that? I bought it. I was excited about new, and I paid for it so I could enjoy it. What we see as the consistent witness throughout the Bible is God pays for the new. His work. He does it. He makes a way. And he wants us to experience newness. And where is that newness that Paul is identifying? Um, let me go backward just for a minute. Look at the very top. And to be renewed where? In the spirit of your mind. We're going to start thinking in new ways. If we are a new creation, if we want to represent Jesus in the world, we're going to start thinking in new ways, not in the darkened, alienated hardness of heart that we saw last week. Here's a very powerful look at what newness is. I told you there's a lot of scripture today. Acts 19, 18 through 20. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. People were using magic to try to predict the future, try to feel like they're in control, try whatever people use magic for because they really don't trust God. They want to trust in themselves and some potion and some formula and some spell that they can cast. It's really how it works. And they realized when they came to Christ that that was not compatible. And they, we have to get rid of these books. We have to get rid of all of these secrets. We have to, that's what we have to do. I know people have been trusting in us, and these are worth a lot of money, but we got to burn it. It's newness. Newness doesn't mess around. Newness says there's another way that I need to think, and I want to get rid of those things that get in that way. You can do your math and your research. Multiple places I've looked throughout the years in, in understanding this story is that those books were worth millions of dollars. And they burned them when they came to Christ. They didn't sell them and give the money to the ministry. They burned it. Newness of thinking. Where did this happen? Anybody know? Acts 19? It happened in Ephesus. Who's Paul writing to? Ephesians. Newness of mind. Newness of thinking. Powerful. I told you it gets exciting. It really does. I came to this. Uh, I was on my couch. Uh, sometimes, I don't know how you are, but when God gets me up early and I can't sleep, sometimes I just roll with it. I just got to go. All right, I'm not sleeping. Lord, I'm just going to roll with it. So I sit down and I, I start into this. And... And I get to this point, the newness of life, and it just washed over me. I was so excited to, to, again, be reminded of the power of God. Let it wash over you right now. I invite you into it. Uh, sulk in it. Uh, bask in it. Know that Jesus is glorious and that if you're, you're re repenting and turning to him, there is a new life to live in Jesus Christ. And it's powerful and it is wonderful. And, and just allow that truth to, to change you, even right this moment. I'm not who I was anymore. I have a friend who used to say, that's who I was, but it's not who I am. Jesus has made me different. Praise the Lord, there is new life. Now, it gets even better. Last point today. 
moving right along. Unlike anything else, our journey moves toward God. I realize it's a bold statement. It's unlike anything else. Our journey is moving toward God. When was the last time you bought something that lasted forever and never broke down? remember buying something and today this moment it is still in the exact same shape and it's never broken down i'm sure somebody could find something and if you've found something in your mind it's one in a million fine you got me just stay with me the point is powerful most of the things we experience in this life most of the things we use are not this way and it is so so powerful now Let's, let's take that mindset toward life for a moment. If I'm trying to impress God with all of the good things that I do or say or all the people that I help or whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to live my life earning forgiveness and earning my way to heaven because of the things that I'm doing. The, the real truth is at some point I'm going to break down because I'm human. There's no guarantee I won't go backward the next day after I helped you and then I'll blow it. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that my good deed is going to last. I could build you a house and the next day a fire could consume that. And it'll still be easy for you to remember the time that I blew it. And you'll struggle with that inconsistency. And you'll say, well, I thought this guy was trying to earn his way here. Don't you think he would do a little bit better job? You wonder how many points I'm really worth anyhow. That guy, he's a letdown. Right? Now you laugh at me. But we'd laugh at each other if we really tried this and this was our worldview. Think about it. We wouldn't be very consistent. When was the last time repairmen went out of business because they didn't have any work to do? Things in life break down. When was the last time counselors had to quit because people stopped hurting each other and relationships were all 100% harmony? We live in a broken and a decaying world was not created to nor is it supposed to last forever the very nature of our world the very nature of our lives the very nature of our human frames is that they will break down and not last forever verse 24 renewed in the spirit of our mind 23 and then 24 and to put on the new self created after the likeness of god in true righteousness and holiness whether it's earlier in this letter to Ephesians, whether it's throughout Paul's teaching, whether it's throughout the ministry of Jesus, where day after day he trained his disciples to see people in their old way of life and then to bring impact from heaven into their soul or into their physical condition and show them newness, we see this theme over and over. If our faith is in Christ, God will do things inside of us to draw us closer to him. Those words, righteousness and holiness. Righteousness, a position before God. A position of who, how we relate to him. Not based on our works, a position of righteousness based on what Jesus does. Holiness, not us just trying to be goody-goodies, but that we are drawn to something different. 
Here's the way Paul taught the Colossians. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. How about that for some similar language? Uh, We had this as part of our worship service last week. And look at what's happening with the new self. It's being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Man in Genesis 1 was made how? Adam and Eve are created special, different from the animals that had their day on day six. So here, here the men are, and women, or the man and woman are created, Adam and Eve. And they're created in the image of God. Nothing else was created in God's image. And we know that that was broken down through the fall in Genesis chapter 3. We know that they sinned and they rebelled against God. And it seems hopeless. But God still worked with them. And there was forgiveness for Adam and Eve, but they paid the consequence. And since then, people have died. What we're taught here in Colossians 3 and the image that Paul is giving us in in Ephesians 4 is that when we have a new self and we're created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, that we are not, maybe physically we are breaking down, but inwardly we are being renewed. God has bought something in us that is not on a one-way ticket to destruction. It is on a one-way ticket to perfection. That's what God does in you and me when we turn our lives over to Jesus Christ and give him control. We're not like the rest of our entire existence where things break down. We are like Jesus who is healing and forgiveness and suffering and trusting and relationship with God in perfection. We are becoming like that. God is renewing us. He has, when we put our faith in Christ, he reverses that curse and we're no longer on that, on that direction, on that path. We are on a path that God is making us more like him. We're being renewed in that image. The new self is moving toward God and it's not like anything else in this world. Everything else works the other way. And the one thing, the one area where we can find newness is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because he's true and he'll change our life and he wants all of it. We will all suffer the same consequences of sin. We'll all experience pain. We'll all cause pain. We will sin. We'll do shameful things. We'll hurt people. We'll walk difficult paths in this life and we'll grieve and we'll have all kinds of emotions and the world will throw all kinds of things our way. And we'll do one of two things. We found out last week that either our hearts will harden and will stay darkened and alienated and away from God or we find out today, this week, that that's not how, that's not who Christ is. That's not what he wants. He wants something new for us. The difference in Jesus' followers. Moving away from the old way, renewing in our minds a relationship that leads to holiness. A relationship with God that leads to newness. We're growing. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we're not going to ask for help or ask for forgiveness along the way. Absolutely we will. But we'll be bothered by that old self and God will actually give us the strength and the tools to overcome more and more the old self as we become more and more like Jesus. If you started this time that we have together this morning without faith in Christ, without trusting in him to make you new, then come to faith today. Come to God in faith and say, I trust in that. I know I can't trust in myself. 
encourage you to believe and don't let this time escape until you do. But for those of you that have been believers, it's not just about that one-time event. It's about the confidence to know that whatever struggle, whatever thing you're working through, whatever thing that is in the past, it is final, it is forgiven, and God wants to make every one of us new. There's encouragement in that, whether it's our first week in Christ or whether it's the first week of our seventh decade in Christ. He wants us to know that and to be fueled by that and to treat others like the same is working in their life. It takes love, patience, unity. We're going to continue to uh, see how those themes unfold. But I would encourage you today, he is worth it. Rejoice in him, trust in him, worship Jesus. How you learn him, because he is worth it.